Welcome back, everyone, to Pixel Radio Commentary. I am Zach. I'm Christine. I'm Evelyn. That's a Carlo. Carlo thought it. Uh, yeah, Carlo I, thought I, it was his turn I, to speak. I, I, yeah, I thought, you know, we had something planned beforehand, and we, we thought not. we were gonna. We had the oh, order no, 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 planned. No, 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 no. We've got oh. we've got plans for later. Let's put it like that. Oh. <laughs> God damn. Anyway, uh, so yeah, welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, what has everyone been playing these days, Carlo? Um, <laughs> uh, I. Hmm. You have a confession, right? I. It's okay. We're all friends here. We you, we could all say what we're playing and give him some time to I, feel that's true. To I, that's true. I I can I can no. I'll, I'll share first. That way, you know, you can oh open up as we we'll yeah. open up to the we'll group. Go around in the circle. <laughs> everyone say your name and what games you've been playing. <laughs> <The> <laughs> <friendships> <laughs> we swear uh, we won't judge I'm you. I'm going to AA, which stands for Anime Alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I've been watching a lot of anime lately, and that's pretty much all I've been doing. Oh, fair enough. Uh, not not actually, but um, no. I mean, I'm. I've just been on the Switch indie game train. Still, I've been playing. You know, um, West of Loathing, which I've oh, been enjoying. Really I've been enjoying it quite a it's bit. It's really good if you've played King King of Loathing and all that that web game version. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, yeah. it's it's definitely. I had, hadn't played that. I've obviously you know looked oh, into it's it real now. Good. It's um, real good. But West of Loathing, it's definitely fun. It's got a unique style to it. It's got a you know very interesting aesthetic. It's very quick, quirky, and yeah. its way that the humor the humor's in like King of Loathing. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, yeah. it's just such a deliberately like shittily put together game, but in a way that really works for it. Like the, it's yeah. the kind of thing where it's just rough and kind of dirty, but that's part of the humor of it. Uh, which really works, and then I've been playing Hollow Knight as well, oh, which I've yeah. been so, loving. That is a phenomenal game. That is the game I do play while watching anime because, because <laughs> like here, it's like this balance, right? It's like I get to watch anime and enjoy myself, and on the other hand, I get to play fucking Hollow Knight and want to throw my controller at the TV. <laughs> uh, by the combo. way, yeah, uh, nice, well, a nice balance, some nice relaxing anime and some nice infuriating video games. <laughs> depends on the anime. Yeah, the confession, the by the anime. way, is that Carlo is, is going I'm, weeb. I'm going full weeb. Like, yeah. I listen to J-pop now at the gym. <laughs> um, I'm playing Final Fantasy fourteen. Oh my god, that we shit, man. You've really got yeah, full weeb. it's like... Uh, hmm. <laughs> Have you been also playing it in Japanese? Uh, or at least for the spoken audio. I don't think the spoken audio is in Japanese. There's no real spoken audio well, not in for Final Hall- Fantasy fourteen. Oh, is it? Okay. No, it's like all text-based uh, MMO. Okay, the real mostly. question here. Are you subs or dubs kind of person? Uh, so I used to be one of those elitist assholes, oh, gut keepers. You can't possibly be into dubs. This is going to upset <laughs> you. You're a horrible No, no, queen. no, no. So, so... But here, here's here's where I'm gonna go. I I, I like the subs. Um, obviously, most like all the music is like in Japanese, which is fa- fucking fantastic. Uh, but like I will say that modern dubs are not bad anymore. <laughs> like I think it depends on the studio. No, no, yeah, it does. Yeah. It depends on the studio and depends on who's doing the translation. Like there are still some bad dubs. Like, like. Yeah, there, like there are a couple shows that I've been watching that I'm like, I gotta watch the subs on this. But like, it's really hard to like 
sort of half concentrated in MMO and read subs because your eyes can only be looking at one point. But with a dub, I can play Final Fantasy XIV and uh, and watch anime, watch anime. Yeah. which is like full weeb. Yeah, I I don't oh. I don't know because I, I I don't watch any, or at oh, least so I haven't nice. since Dragon Ball. See, no, Z. I I go even fuller weeb. I work on cosplay while watching subbed anime. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge anime elitist. It's only only subs forever. I mean, like I mean, like most most yeah. most anime is pretty good with with like subs. Like, well, yeah, there's a much bigger voice yeah. acting for anime. However, there are a lot more shitty animes with only subs. <laughs> yeah, like I'm watching like three shitty animes right now. Hey, I want my slice of life anime, and there's a lot more that aren't dubbed. I mean, slice of life is fine, but there's like that weird. Give me my tea house. So thank you for Polar tuning into the anime podcast. That yeah, we're, suddenly we're, so become. yeah, this is welcome to the anime podcast. <laughs> we can do uh, uh, an anime sort of oh book club. <laughs> there we go. Academia. Oh my god, the newest yes. episode is so good. So good. All right, moving I've hijacked forward. this podcast. Moving More forward, games. Evelyn, what uh, have you been up to? I, we hear you've been playing lots of Pokemon Go, but I'm it's been inconvenient. Pokemon Go. Right now, <laughs> gotta send those gifts when you have. Uh, some do you get? Signal? I know. What's our friend? Are we at? We're at three hearts. Or no, no. I don't have anybody at three hearts <gasps> yet because I just missed an entire week of Pokemon Go playing in a place where there was no internet during like the best event ever. God, it was. Oh yeah. It was a huge bummer. I lost out on so much candy that I could have had. And all the Pikachu's with all their hats. Yeah. I do not need any more hat Pikachu's. No, you need infinite hat Pikachu. I. Oh my god, they take up so much freaking space in your inventory, and then getting yeah. rid of them is so hard, and they're so hard to catch. Yep. It is but definitely. it works towards your achievement. You were telling uh, us yeah. also well, about the, all the, the joys of not having internet when, what, a, what's a, ra- a raid pass or something? What's that? Okay. Well, that's that's Wait. different. That wasn't about not having yes. internet. Well, there's oh a big god. difference between a regular raid pass and an X-raid pass, for starters. Okay, uh. <laughs> this is where we. This is where you get to tell me the person who has not done Pokemon Go in a long time. You get to tell me everything okay, that I'm missing. Again. You so thought my anime talk. Every was bad. day there's a ton of regular raids. You get one free raid pass per day. They are scaled one to five, and five are legendary Pokemon. The legendary Pokemon right now is Registeel. We don't care about him. Yep. God, this uh, sounds like Destiny. But there's also. <laughs> X-raids, where if you complete a raid at certain eligible gyms, you get an X-raid pass for a certain day and time. And then you go and you try and catch Mewtwo. Okay. That sounds fun. So I've gotten three X-raid passes because I raid almost exclusively at non-X-raid eligible gyms. And every single one of them has been during the workday at times when I need to be at work. (laughs) I really fucking want Mewtwo. It's killing me. (laughs) Yeah. So I I have only gotten a single raid pass. And recently I was in New Mexico, which I... Go, don't go to New Mexico that often. And, of course, the one time I get a raid pass is when I go to this museum in the middle of this very obscure county in New Mexico. I was very sad about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, so I guess that's a good chance to talk about what have you been playing, Christine? Sort of move forward oh into non-Pokemon Go world. <laughs> since I'm looking at both of your phones and seeing Pokemon Go hey. up right now. So we're Sending talk- gifts is really tedious. You gotta <laughs> stay on top of it. I know, and also you need to, you know, clear out your inventory. Anyway, yeah. it's not the point. Oh, but wait, real quick. Just gotta <laughs> run if your you dailies. Done the update yet in the new, the latest version, you get uh, experience for sending gifts. So 
big deal. Yes. Oh, I'm sure I up I update all my apps on a pretty regular basis. But that's good to know. Good to know. Anyways, so I went to New Mexico recently and I got to hang out with my grandpa who is 85. So you know, uh, not exactly the most agile dude, but he's pretty pretty chill. Um, so one of the things is my entire family was there, like my. My brother, his spouse, my parents, me, my significant other. It's a great good time. But of course, we wanted to play games with, with Grandpa. So we tried to figure... I thought really, really long and hard about games I could actually play with him since he doesn't play that many games. Um, I ended up playing... I exclusively bought Mario Aces, like Ooh, the tennis excellent. game, just to play with my Grandpa. Um, which was I've heard like mixed things about that. So I hear it's like a, I mean I guess it's great for it's good your for scenario. multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for mo- so, local co-op, whatever. Yeah, I've heard. I haven't even tried playing single player to be honest, but uh, multiplayer was great. Um, I, as someone who has the game, I would recommend if anyone's interested in it. Uh, it's really fun. It's not a particularly deep game uh, if you're playing it by yourself. I was so going to ask, I, like, is it still fun if you are if you are a lonely person that watches anime all day? Uh, I would say you should <laughs> wait till it, you know, the price drops a little so bit. You're, so, you're, yeah. so I should just get Octopath instead. You should get Octopath <laughs> Basically, instead. Yes. All right, got you. You keep looking for bad things to hear about that, but it never comes. Never comes. Anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was fun. Uh, specifically, too, for my grandpa, he loved having being able to actually, like, swing the tennis racket since he loved Wii Sports back in the day when we brought things for that. Oh, that's a that's good. I remember 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 those days yeah i was explicitly trying to find things more similar to those games because those games have been like proven to work really well with uh people who aren't necessarily as dexterous i mean you you have the with the motion controls you have that added like intuitiveness right yeah it's like it's like a like it's like almost the same thing with vr right yeah yeah you sometimes like I remember people talking about like tilt brush where they would use like the the controller and then all of a sudden like whoa it's so so much easier to then like drawing a mouse using a ma- drawing like on a computer or using Photoshop with like a mouse or something. Oh yeah, no, I I loved using yeah. Tilt Brush. Yes, is a good thing. But yeah, like I I can see how that's like so much easier for him to use in that in that respect. Yeah, though he he only liked playing with the the motion controls, not the other version. And my brother was like, no, I am not playing this anymore using the motion controls. He was very frustrated by that. Oh, is he very <laughs> competitive? Just like mm, yeah, he's pretty competitive. I gotta win. <laughs> um, I gotta win in this game of probable luck because it's a mario game yeah and then we did also play a little bit of mario kart 8 which um you know for i think that went pretty well but didn't go as well as the final game which i wish would have been bundled with the switch in the first place which is one two switch it's so needed to be that oh. like the point of that game is that i it mean it, it could have it could have been this era's Wii sports but then they gave it a price tag yeah yep. And I gotta say, the price tag from the very beginning was always so steep for what that game yeah. was. It was a $60 game. It's just like little silly mini games. It's ridiculous. Games. I still want the game, but I've absolutely been doing the thing where I've just been like, I'm not buying this until it drops to like $29.99. Or you, yeah. Like, yeah, you find some deal for it or something. Yeah. But it's like... It's on Amazon Prime Day or something. But I feel like everyone is waiting for that. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I mostly played that because my siblings owned a copy of it. So it's like when they came, it's like we could use that. And that was actually really nice since we could play through all the really simple mini games my grandpa didn't have to, like, think too hard about, didn't have to do, like, very complex movements for, except for the unraveling that treasure chest one, which I loved. But (laughs) (laughs) uh, you can look videos up on of that online. And then uh, the one that was the best one was the shootout version, where it's, you have 
each person has a Joy-Con, and then you wait until it says draw, and then you go and try to shoot the other person first in a duel. And we had a tournament for it, and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, like, I think the one where that was really good is like the Samurai one. Oh, yeah. yeah that one's like, that's like the similar, similar competitiveness of like, let's go. Yeah. Trying to match it. Well, and for that tournament too, like my grandpa got like, I think second place overall, actually. Oh. Like, and that was out of like seven people and four of us are very active gamers on the Switch. And then my mom is also a decently active gamer. Um but mostly PC. She's not very good with motion controls, actually, that's, ironically that's actually enough. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is like, yeah, that's so funny. It's like, give me a mouse and keyboard, damn it. Oh, yeah, she's like an OG, like, MMO person. Oh, if you ever man. know about, like, Ashran's Call, she's yeah. been oh, playing that since the beginning there. Yeah. Oh, man. Just give, give me that mouse, that so I only need one hand to play and my other hand can, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, getting stuff for her on Steam was a good, good thing. Yeah, sounds like, well, this definitely leads us really nicely into what we wanted to talk about today, which, Christine, do you want to give us that l- whole topic? Because this Just is your baby. It, yeah. I know. So something that is very near and dear to my heart as someone who designs user experiences for internet interfaces though not games uh is just in general accessibility and being able to have people interact with games in a variety of ability levels or types so yeah and that works really well too with things such as um playing games with your grandparents because they have different abilities than a lot of you youngins (laughs) yeah and like and you know there's been a lot of i think recently like right like the major thing that i can think about with accessibility is microsoft's new Adaptive, adaptive controller, accessible controller, adapt, adapt. Uh, Microsoft I f- person, come on. I forget their, I forget their branding. Honestly, on it. I watched the first five minutes of that, or Holy the first shit. minute of that video in a meeting with a bunch of other people, and then the meeting started, and I never got around to finishing it. Should also <laughs> say that I'm it, a bad Microsoft employee. Sorry, uh, Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> we should also say that you know, um, something that you might not know about us is that we all studied in the same program in college, which means all of us are coming through one degree or another and from different perspectives within that, but we have a UX background. Uh, so we all have, you know, different passions within that. You know, sure. Christine obviously is very, very passionate about accessibility. So, yes, this is, yeah, I was like narrowed my eyes like, yeah. You, I mean, you, but point being, you have a yeah. UX. No, yeah, yeah. I, I understand the things and it is actually, it's still a tenant that I hold even in my day to day because with, with security, which is actually pretty, it's pretty useful. It's like, it, it helps you understand that, there are some sometimes like there are, are ways there are better ways that you need to be able to do stuff, especially with security, which tends to be in like perpendicular or in contrast to usability yeah. uh, and kind of like, you know, there are ways to, f- to go around that and to fix that. So absolutely. And then, you know, I, I'll just say that I'm very interested in just like simple, intuitive stuff. So all of that is to say. Uh, we're going to, un- if we get a little bit technical with user experience stuff, uh, please forgive us. We're, we'll try and make it as... It's all Zach's fault. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's, it's really all... You're but too verbose. I know. I really, Oof. really am. And I, I just talk in acronyms it's the constantly. the nicest way to tell you to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so you so good. much. So, yeah, uh, Christine, let, uh, what were your experiences with playing with your grandpa and what were you noticing what was sort of the what was your experience with that like so um i'm gonna talk about a few different things for that um and it will lead to also the wii even though we actually specifically this trip did not play on a wii but it's very relevant for this topic um not a wii u 
<laughs> not Wii U, a Wii. Very different. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do have a Wii U too, so you know. Uh, oh, the sad stepchild <laughs> of Nintendo. Um, but I, overall, I you know, we board. tried to pick out games that were pretty simple and easy, and um, I often like to have games uh, for people that, you know, you don't necessarily have to have super precise controls for. Um, because it can make it a lot easier if, you know, you maybe have like a shaky hand or things like that. Um, I think ultimately for the games I ended up picking for him, um, once he like understood it, which for the most part, he understood all those particular games very quickly. Uh, he was able to play them, but he would only play them for so long because then he'd get tired since he was very enthusiastic and wanted to like stand up and like play the various play the various modes well especially the dual mode oh my gosh the dual the dual one two switch oh for like 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 the uh, gun like the gunslinger yeah or the, you really, quick draw you really should be yes quick draw that's what it's called you really probably should be standing for that one but um yeah for the most part he played like a couple of rounds and he'd just enjoy watching and hanging out with us and i think he appreciated being able to have experienced it and then enjoy it and then be able to relax a little bit since he doesn't have the same energy levels as the 20 something grandkids i mean yeah. you know in their 20s yeah. and <laughs> like, yes he doesn't actually have 20 something grandkids no yeah. there's only not very many of yeah. us three <laughs> um but the but the whole the whole like concept right like of like that one two switch is that it's like it's easy to understand right from a usability perspective it's very simple mm-hmm. and uh i think the one thing that nintendo like i think what nintendo did realize they got right with the wii and forgot with the wii u for some strange apparent reason and then brought it back obviously was just the well, yeah to a degree, but was just like the intuitiveness of having those motion controls of like being able to use the remote as as it is, right? Like it was clear like the whole touchpad thing was kind of iffy, and even if you look at the Switch now, the whole touch control thing is still kind of iffy. Well, and also for a lot of older people, you don't necessarily have the best eyesight, and yeah. they probably don't, and a lot of people don't necessarily want to put on their reading glasses just to read this tiny game screen. Yeah. Um. So having like something that's only on like a big tv can be really helpful for that since you can have a larger text size on average and elements like that um and there's actually been uh for the wii there's been a huge number of studies related to wii and wii sports and its effect on um just and they were brought to uh retirement homes all over the country because they actually have a very therapeutic effect on individuals who are suffering from like early levels of um Oh gosh, look at the studies themselves, but I think it was like certain things. I don't don't think it was Alzheimer's, but there are certain conditions that it specifically helped treat elderly people with, uh-huh. partially because it made them be able to stand up, get some exercise, and have a very simple intuitive thing that makes sense for what they're used to. Well, I had read a really interesting thing talking about uh, the Wii and, you know, the controls for that as relates to Parkinson's. Uh you know, since that's obviously something that a controller, for example, you know, fine motor movements with a joystick could be really difficult for someone dealing with Parkinson's disease. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas something that is much more general, like the Wii or the Switch's motion controls, obviously doesn't have that same issue. Yeah. Um, that, so, like, I wonder about that. Like, does that even does that even include like the sort of? I wonder if like something like the Kinect, right? Um, it, in, a, in a more advanced form, per, perhaps, rather than what the Kinect as, as like, a consumer device has been marketed as. Mm-hmm. But, like, I wonder if, like, if you could leverage, though, like, that sort of type of thing or if there have been research studies on, on, on how that has been usable. Because, like, on one hand, like, you hear 
stories about like oh like you get like just dance which is super intuitive and so many people love it it's a great party game right it's a game that like i i imagine that um most people can get into but then on on the other hand like you get something like oh i forget what that fucking name was it was like it was like that one connect game where you had to like pull down the hatch and like do a bunch of like hand gestures to do stuff and it was just like the absolute worst yeah i I think that was sort of a bit of a failing on the connects part sorry evelyn um (laughs) we're just i mean i think like punching i think we all know like i think i think even microsoft knows like with how xbox division has gone and like kind of like slowly taken the connect away and kind of like well, I, what yeah, I was—I mean, it's way more of a specialty and very specific use item than something that should have been bundled with every single Xbox. Absolutely, like it should have been an add-on yeah. from the very or, beginning. Or, or it should have been, yeah. or if it, if it was supposed to be an add-on, then like you could have done this crazy thing where you make it like kind of ridiculously expensive, but then improve the camera to a degree that you get that super fine motor control and it becomes magical in a sense. Yeah. Or one thing that Connect does give that is kind of an accessibility thing is if. You can use a lot of voice commands if you have the right technology set up. So if you have it on your Xbox One, you can actually configure it. So you can say, hey, Xbox, turn my TV on, and it'll do that. So for people who might have some mobility issues with getting the phone or getting the remote, there's the word, (laughs) found it. Um, That's something that is worth considering, although you have to have like a TV with you have to have a nice TV. Yeah, I mean, most, 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 actually, most HDMI, like I have an old TV from, from like 2010 and it's HDMI still does the power on so you, that's still that's actually not that that old of a TV well or this that, was what that, I was going well, to say I think was... it depends because I have a TV that's newer than that and it doesn't have it oh well so. that's yeah. well this is what I was well, going to say about that was sort of a failing on the part of Microsoft with the Kinect was how they marketed it they marketed it as like oh this is a gimmick to have you play Kinect games and you know control your Xbox with a word and stuff like that and it really could have been super useful if they had or well it could have been very different it could have had a very different product lifespan if they had marketed it as more of a you know accessibility tool and as a different way to sort of interact with the various stuff around you something like i don't know kind of like a proto amazon home kind of thing uh if they had marketed it and sort of had it work more like that i think it could have been a really really successful and useful tool but the fact that they really tried to tie it into the games that they tried to tie it into sort of limited it in a way that was probably not the intention yeah i actually had an interesting conversation once with someone who used to work on the it was the cortana team not the um the connect team specifically but connect uses cortana technology and he was talking about how they had this smart home stuff years before Amazon and Google got into the game. And then it was just, it's just another thing that Microsoft, they were like first in the market and then didn't do a single damn thing with it. You mean the fact that Microsoft is terrible at marketing? <laughs> well, Lots of companies are it's terrible. It's not so much that they're terrible at marketing, although they are. It's about, <laughs> they're really bad at pivoting good ideas into useful products. That is, yeah. that is true. I think yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. very they've accurate had, way They've had a it. lot of like technology, like processes and stuff. Um, now that said, I really hope that that accessibility controller. Like I haven't, I'll be honest. Like I haven't heard shit about it since it got announced. Uh, I Though don't it's know, early, and I mean, yeah, but I don't know if like are people using it? Is it is this like a thing that is actually helping people? Is it out yet? I thought that they. Oh, is it? Uh, is it announced? Launch? Yeah, I thought it was just an announcement. Oh, maybe, video. maybe. Okay, that maybe that's that why. Coming. I thought I thought it was already out and accessible, but maybe yeah, maybe I'm totally I'm totally I'm, off with that one. I'm looking it up. 
Okay, dude, <laughs> excellent. But I mean, there are definitely like cases where there are well like published um, instances of accessibility for people who can't use traditional controllers mm-hmm. and how they have modified controllers to be able to use them. Yeah. Um, like, isn't there that Reddit user that uses his mouth for a controller? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't Remember. know if that's pr- probably that. Maybe. I definitely remember someone using their mouth to do it. Yeah. Um, in a lot of cases, it's just for a lot of people figuring out what you can do and being able to leverage those abilities. Since mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that's just like you take for granted that a lot of people can't do. Um, like, for instance, a, a, a thing referencing back to the Megathon when I was in the Megathon. Uh, this is actually a card game, but still it's kind of a similar concept where in the very first round, we were playing this game called Set. And if you know Set, it's you're matching uh, th- three either... Uh, three cards are either alike or the same in these three different ways which is like being filled in different colors or um different shapes shapes. and the thing is though they used red and green which is the most common form of colorblindness so we actually had someone uh and she was colorblind and she actually just completely failed that round because she didn't realize that the game was a you know accessibility thing and actually even worse it's red green and purple which yeah. those three colors are like indistinguishable for colorblind people. Yep. <laughs> tones. Tones matter. Uh, also, by the way, uh, the adaptive controller is not coming until September. Okay. So, all right. So, here more then. Wait, wait, wait a couple months, right? But there's lots of different things for accessibility that like we take for granted. Like, there's a bunch of different categories. There's mo- like, there's actually a website dedicated to it, which uh, we should link afterwards. Uh, and there's they talk about like motor controls, uh, so controller mobility, cognitive, thought, memory, processing information. Yeah. Like, could AD- you quickly say the name of the website as well oh, for yeah, those sorry. who don't have Game the GameAccessibilityGuidelines.com. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, cognitive. So if you have like a short term memory or you have issues focusing on things, uh, like one of the examples is um, like when you have a game that has a moving background, having the option to turn that off because people who have attention issues might not be able to help from focusing on the background when they want to be focusing on other things in the game. Uh, vision, obviously, there are <laughs> lots of things, color blindness or even just not being able to see, uh, being able to access like screen readers, uh, hearing, speech. Like, I know, I remember as a kid, I had a severe speech impediment, and I was always frustrated playing Hey You Pikachu because it could not understand me. Mm. I know it couldn't understand a lot of people, but especially since I already had that sensitivity and issue, it was a massive problem for me. Um, yeah, I could imagine that voice controls, I mean, that's the thing we were talking about, you know, the Connect doing voice controls really well. is, And it's, again, about what you can do versus thinking about, you know, what you can't but something like those connect voice controls are probably not that useful to someone with a speech impediment and that's not to say that you know it's not a useful tool because of that it's just again about yeah what you can do and trying to work with that well and a lot of really well-designed games often like allow you to change certain things up so you can still play them and access them like not every you know a lot of games you know obviously rely on a visual component but you have games that you can definitely have a screen reader help you with, especially if uh, elements are easily identifiable. Like, you can still enjoy the story in the game without necessarily having to see it. And there are games in VR especially that focus on literally just, like, hearing. I forgot yeah. the name we, our game we mentioned a couple weeks ago. But there are games that can focus on yeah, other where elements. Yeah, where you're completely on hearing. Um, so, on that note of the whole, like, games changing things up, 
um, I want to ask the somewhat uncomfortable question of uh, taking this example first. Uh, so we all, do you all know what the game The Witness is? Yes. Um, so it was the, it. it was Jonathan Blow. He was the creator of Braid, and he made this um, kind of mist-like puzzle game uh, where you're a person on an island, and there's a bunch of puzzles for you to solve. Um, there's these there, there's kind of these line puzzles that you have to visually see, right? So that's one degree. Um, however, there are two sets of puzzles, right, that actually have a uh, that so like each of these puzzles have a theme, right? Some of them happen to be like, oh, we're themed around this particular puzzle concept that you'll see in other puzzles, or we're themed around like um, looking at the shadows in a certain way, right? Like looking at trees to figure it out. Um, but there are two there are two sets of puzzles that were very interesting, and one of them actually did affect me as I was playing. Um, the first mm-hmm. one I'll talk about is the sound puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a bit of a spoiler um, for anyone, but That's the. Fine. There's puzzles where this game has been out for like a year. It's been out for <laughs> way longer years. than that. Two years. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. Um, just in case, but uh, so there's a there's just uh puzzles where there's actually a, like a high uh, like a bird chirping and like different sounds that you hear in a game that literally has no animals and has had no animals in the entire game. So the only way you would really be able to notice this is through hearing, right? Um, and the second set of puzzles happens to be a puzzles that deal a lot with color where you have to like step in in front of certain color films to show you what the answer is, yeah. um, which can actually be very difficult for people, uh, as you can see, with color blindness, mm-hmm. uh, which I am personally uh, slightly red-green colorblind. Um, there was an interview, and I think this was posted on, I forget where it was, maybe it was on Giant Bomb, but he was, they were talking to him about discuss and about his like vision right his vision of the game and the way he talked about it and he actually had even admitted that he did not he there was some concern about the both the color and the the sound game the sound puzzles not being accessible um to a user because like yeah a deaf person's never going to be able to figure that one out mm-hmm. and a person with color blindness is going to have a really hard time doing the color puzzles uh with that said he kind of said like yeah i i did think about it and I thought about it and thought of like if there would be an alternative way, but the way that I saw it was that if I gave that alternative way, then that puzzle isn't that puzzle anymore. Yeah, it's like a di- it was like a dis- dis- a distinct design decision, artistic decision to make the puzzle like that. And he said like if if they want to solve the puzzle and play the game, then they can just look it up. It's like that's fine, that's fair, that's what I could do. But I do not want to change the puzzles for what it was. Yeah, I actually had a very long conversation recently with a friend that is all about the integrity of. Um, inclusivity in games or just media in general and also uh, what it means though to still remain true to your own vision your story yeah and this is this is something this is a concept that i don't think we can kind of see in a lot of different in a lot of different lenses right this is can do with uh inclusivity inclusivity of you know accessibility of race of uh culture gender things like that and uh i think it does present a very interesting question because yeah I think on on some level, I do agree with Jonathan Blow where it is like, yeah, there is something to be if you if you do limit yourself with that, then you never have the chance to build that puzzle. And I know that there are like ways to make alternative ones, but you never actually then get to actually play with that particular aspect. The thing that really rubs me the wrong way about that mentality is a person, a colorblind person or a person who's hard of hearing gets to that point in the game and they don't know that it's coming. And then yeah. that's the game for them. Yeah. They have to go look up spoilers to figure out how to solve it. Um, if he'd included a warning at some point in this game, like, 
there will be a puzzle that you can't solve if you have these disabilities and here's how you solve it if you want the spoiler that would be one thing but him just dismissing it yeah. out of hand like that like oh it's the integrity of but but game. at the same time that warning right would completely destroy the puzzle in a sense it destroys like especially for somebody that goes into that puzzle not knowing the sound thing and like imagine you've gone through the game not hearing anything and then all of a sudden you hear something that one time that instant that instance right you could argue is that that instance of them experiencing that is worth more in a sense than the accessibility of having that puzzle. Well, I'm not sure I agree with that per in per se, but I can see where that argument comes from. So I think there is a solution to this, and I think that solution would be, and, and this is something that you don't see in a lot of games, and I'd like to see more of, specifically relates to um, various accessibility issues, but having modes for the game that sort of allow that. Like, is, for example, you know, I mean, subtitles kind of are that for... A lot uh, of for audio a hard of yeah. hearing uh, person, uh, but like if you have a red green colorblind mode, I mean we can do that now. A lot of phones do that kind mm -hmm. of thing where they, you it know, still kind of suck. It, I mean it's not yeah. great. It is not a great thing. But if we if you have that, if nothing else, yes, the game wouldn't. The game doesn't have to necessarily change those puzzles. But if you have that mode turned on in the game, especially if it's a game that relies on those things, you yeah. should have a flag in your main menu to turn on whatever colorblind or basically an accessibility mode that does give you a warning. If you have an accessibility mode in the game that actually, like, before the puzzle says, hey, just so you know, if you've, you've turned on accessibility mode, we're giving you a warning that this puzzle requires this ability. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people probably don't necessarily expect they will need accessibility mode depending on what they're... Until you sort of experience it, yeah. right? Like, you, like for me, I, I never really turn on colorblind mode until I really find I'm having a hard time distinguishing certain colors. Um, so, yeah, all that said, like, I think the way that... The one thing that does make me f at least feel a little better about the way that Jonathan Blow takes that is that he says, like, if that makes my, if that makes my experience game worse for somebody and that makes them like review the game or dislike the game more than i'm going to just take that hit like that did that does make my game worse right it okay. does not it's it my game is not perfect it's not the best game in the world it still makes the game it is it is it is a fault against the game but it's something that he was willing to accept rather he wasn't he, he never tried to argue like oh my game is okay because if you think about it like this then that's fine it was more of like nope that's a that was a design decision that I'm going to accept and I'm going to accept the consequences with that. Sure. Yeah. I, I do also like the concept in general of um, earlier on in development, maybe once you've gotten the general ideas and flows, like obviously, you know, testing with a variety of people uh, is huge in any type of user experience uh, thing. Um, but also just trying to like, you know, going to like sites like the game accessibility site and just mm -hmm. like trying to like look at these things and maybe just consider those as options. Since you're not going to be able to fix everything i That's mean just you you can't do yeah, that i mean for the most part most video games are completely antithetical to anybody that's blind yeah like that's that's that actually is just how how it how it happens and i'm like there are there are ways to get around that right especially with sound-based games and stuff like that especially with text-based games um but it's on, on at one point it's not you you can't necessarily have every game have an accessibility option for that particular thing no and i think that there's I don't think it's hard to strike a balance between easy fixes in a game to make accessibility easier versus drastic changes to yeah. accommodate every single disability out there. And I don't think that anyone is really asking for that. But something so simple as just having legible subtitles in your game. 
Like, that just doesn't seem like that much to ask. Well, there's a lot of things that actually help a lot of people who have troubles with various types of accessibility, but also helps general people. Like, there's a lot of things that exist in our life now. Like, text messaging was originally done for people who were deaf and couldn't do phone calls. Like, there's lots of things that can definitely help a lot of people now. Like, having a high enough contrast so you can read things. Having... Uh, Fitz Law is one of my favorite things in accessibility. It's um, <laughs> just generally the concept that uh, the further away something is, and but also the larger it is, ha- uh, has a direct relationship to how uh, quickly and easily you can act, uh, reach it mm-hmm. or click it. So, for instance, uh, Microsoft uh, a long time ago, uh, you know, they had the start. So the start icon is classically in the lower left-hand corner, but it used to have like a one-pixel thing around it. So you couldn't necessarily select it as easily since if you went too far you wouldn't be able to select it but after they made it such way as flush against the edge that made it essentially infinitely sized so if you just go in that direction you're guaranteed to hit it so you can get it very quickly very easily and you don't have to be you know super fine motor skills you don't, have, you don't need to precision click it exactly so and also there's lots of interesting things in games for precision versus not precision basically though um also if you look at this site i'm just plugging it a lot since it has a lot of really simple easy things that honestly are common sense but just kind of help remind you and most of them are small small things and they're also rated by how easy it is to integrate versus how intense it is and how specialized it might be for individuals awesome well i think this is a good chance to sort of ask the question to the group you know we're all we've all talked a lot about what games are or aren't doing in terms of accessibility. So how about we just sort of talk about what we'd like to see games do better in terms of accessibility. Like one thing that you would like to see a game do to make themselves more accessible. Working colorblind. (laughs) (laughs) Going back, again, one that affects me is I have a lot of trouble processing sound when people are talking with a bunch of different accents. I can't like... My ears can't switch back and forth between different accents. And then I turn on subtitles because I, I can't understand what people are saying. And having good subtitles in games would make an enormous difference in my ability to hear what the goddamn hell is going on in the dialogue. Yeah, I feel like I'm surprised constantly that games don't have the ability to toggle the size of subtitles. Because I, I, so many times I'll look and be like, okay, this subtitle is about two-point font, uh, and I no one who oh, is well. not... You know, or even worse, off the screen resolution. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, also, like when Stardew was first ported to the Switch, wasn't it that you couldn't like read the? Oh man, yeah. the, read, the 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 text on that game was terrible. Yeah, you could not read it on like a big console. Yeah. It obviously meant just for um, PC. Actually, that that is probably one thing that I think a lot of games have been doing more recently. But I think I would like to see um, games, uh, kind of kind of give the opposite, or at least more on more consoles, the ability to do this um, is UI scaling. Mm. Um, yeah. Like the ability to kind of scale the UI to what you feel comfortable or what you feel your resolution is, it's it's like almost, ex- it's almost exclusively on PC just because of the wide variety of resolutions and like people are like, oh, 4K monitor, I need to like make these smaller because I want to see more of my game. But like that does work in the opposite direction, right? Like having things bigger for people that can't necessarily see or read the text or just even even the ability to change text sizes in game, right? The to, so that they can more easily see see them that is surprising yeah. that more games don't do that given that you know more games start these days by having you like use your especially on console use your joysticks to basically tell the game how big your tv is oh yeah so you know you're moving out or 
picking the contrast by being like, here's the logo of the game. Uh, I, I dial it things. up until it is exactly within a certain... It, until it looks like it's just barely in the screen. And it's like, okay, that's all well and good, but it's surprising that they don't have the ability to do that for text or for yeah. UI or for heads-up display kind of things. It's surprising that you know you don't have the ability to scale that to your preference. Yep. Um, I also just want to say I want to be able to either skip or repeat more text because uh, oftentimes there's like text where it's like I'm just trying to see if you know just trying to get through an interaction and I don't care especially in tutorial modes for like Pokemon Pokemon I love you but oh my gosh or you know sometimes um, sometimes you're watching anime you, you forgot you didn't see what they wrote yeah I <laughs> I frequently forget things and then like I realize something's important in the very last moment like uh, a huge issue in Animal Crossing Pocket Camp is a uh, you're supposed to like give like items occasionally to these people but oftentimes it will only It'll have like the chat dialogue mentioning the animal you're supposed to give the item to the previous thing and you can't just go back to check who it is. And it's so frustrating since that game is so much grinding and I'm just like, I have no clue what this is now. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that is a wonderful list of things that uh, we would like to see. So developers, get your ass on it right now, damn it. Please, <laughs> please. Yes, we know you guys are all working, but we we, we very all, hard, and we right all uh, support your uh, support you to unionize because fuck crunch. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but just throwing true. that one out there. But yeah, you you can still also maintain integrity with your story while you know just trying to see what you can do. Like there, it's not like you have to completely destroy your story. Sometimes, yeah, be too. creative about it. Think about how do you solve these problems, and. By all means, try something new. Try be, try to think like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to create something, well, creative in order to make this game more accessible. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. I feel like we've got some some good stuff here for for everyone to listen to and take into their lives. <laughs> you had and no idea had where some, you were going. No, with that I sentence listened. When you started. No, it. I didn't. <laughs> I I, ha- I was gonna like. I felt like you know just powering through and being like, come on, brain, you can do this. Just like, help me out here. I don't know. I need let's, to, let's t- all go home and go to bed. Yeah. yeah I, th- I think we're, good. I think we're all at that point. So we've, Thanks we've thought about listening. this enough. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And, uh, iTunes reviews help us a great deal. So that's our plugging for everyone. So hopefully you feel nice and sold too. All right. Any closing notes for everyone? Accessibility is so rad. (laughs) Wait, what? Accessibility. Oh, I thought you were like, I'm like, I heard like, I was like, whoa. Wonderful closing notes, everyone. All right. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Bye.